that is the missing link. There's no humanity in that report. There is no taking it to the next step. What would that be like to have so much blood pouring into your lungs you think you're drowning? That was Siri Vaith, Executive Director of Cystic Fibrosis Research Incorporated, and our guest on today's AFPA Patient Access Podcast. I'm Ryan Gooch. Siri, about 30,000 Americans have been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, which is the most common fatal genetic disease in America. One of those Americans is your daughter. What is it like for your family to manage this condition? Well, Ryan, cystic fibrosis is an incredibly complex disease. And as you stated, it is the most common fatal genetic disease in America. Uh, most people associate CF or cystic fibrosis with progressive lung disease. And uh, that is absolutely true. It is actually the, the number one reason that people pass away from CF uh, is because of advanced lung disease. But it is actually much more complex than that in that it impacts multiple systems in the body. And so there is uh, terrible sinus disease, uh, it's, there's pancreatic insufficiency, uh, liver complications, uh, sterility for men. And the, the basic issue is a sodium chloride transfer issue that uh, creates the, the mucus we all have in our bodies, every one of us. Uh, for those with CF, because of this genetic defect, it is drier and stickier. And so it creates a perfect, perfect breeding ground, a perfect Petri dish for bacteria to grow. And so the lungs are in a chronic state of inflammation uh, and People become colonized with infections. My personal story with CF uh, is about my daughter, Tess, who's now 23 years old. She was diagnosed uh, in 1995, and at that time, we were told she probably wouldn't survive her 20s. Uh, and it has been a long, hard road. She, in her short life, has had multiple hospitalizations countless pick line placements with you know multiple multi-week IV therapies, five sinus surgeries, um, and I would say every day is a battle against this disease. And for Tess, and her story is very much uh, like those of others with CF, there are no days off. Last year, she swallowed over 18,000 pills because she has to take over 50 pills a day. Cystic fibrosis is an incredibly difficult disease to manage. There's an intense treatment regimen, many visits to doctors, and yet the challenges don't stop there. What stands between cystic fibrosis patients and the medicines that could help them? Uh, access is the huge issue um, because we have these therapies, um, but as I, I mentioned, it's very challenging to uh, bring a a therapy to the market, especially in the rare disease community and, and specifically with CF. And so uh, many of these medications are very expensive. And uh, what ends up happening is that whether you have a private insurance company or you are working through your state Medicaid program, uh, access, even if it's a drug that has been approved by the FDA, prescribed by the physician, uh, it is not always to easy to access that drug. And, and one of the key things that happens is, you know, an initial denial or um, having to have pre, uh, prior authorizations. And it can drag on and drag on. And what ends up happening, people 
who should be able to use these medications, there are no other options for these medications, are waiting uh, to use these therapies that their own doctors have prescribed. And unfortunately, CF is a very capricious disease. And what can happen, a person can be operating at a certain you know, decreased lung function, but doing fine, and then culture a new bacteria in their lungs and just have a very horrible spiral and with many complications. And so every day does matter in terms of access to therapies. And that's why CFRI is so uh, passionate about advocating for access to therapies. On the topic of access, CFRI has recently been engaged in what you've characterized as an access fight with the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, commonly known as ICER. Who is ICER, and what sort of trouble are they causing for cystic fibrosis patients? Well, ICER has, um, I would say they are a self-ordained group as um, they consider themselves scientists who use methodologies to assess the cost-effectiveness of new therapies on the market. An interesting thing about ICER is that they uh, are very proud of their methodology, which in addition to reviewing all the studies and doing that, they say that they very much incorporate the patient voice and that they make contact uh, with patient advocacy groups and get their input about the disease and their thoughts about these therapies. And so uh, they, with cystic fibrosis, uh, when they decided to explore the value of these new uh, CFTR modulating drugs, which really are the one of a kind, the first thing that has ever addressed the underlying cause of CF for people, and for many people, life-saving therapies. Um, they then, uh, you know, they have a whole process where they put out a, a draft, and they say they consult, uh, consult with different patient advocacy groups, and then they make a recommendation, then they get more input. Uh, so it seems like on paper that they're very transparent, and yet uh, CFRI had a huge issue uh, with the fact that we were never contacted by them. And in fact, on our own, sent in our opinion pieces to them expressing our uh, thoughts about this research they were doing. And yet they listed us on their website, along with several other groups, um, who were never actively consulted with. And so we almost all felt like our names were being used to give credence and support for what they were doing when it was quite the opposite. We all have huge issues. It was infuriating to have a group of people really not consult with us, really not hear the human impacts of the disease, and then put price tags to these horrible experiences that people with CF are going through, and then decide what the value, basically, of a life is. Do you find the ICER review process patient-friendly? I would be surprised uh, to find many other patients or patient advocacy groups that felt that this entire process was patient-friendly. Uh, I feel really on behalf of CFRI, we had to seek them out to give our input. Tell us about your experience testifying. I would say that, <laughs> that was a very painful day. If you have a public hearing and you have 
people who have come from great distances to share their very personal um, experience with the disease. And you set it up so that the entire committee is in a half circle with their backs to the mic that the people who are making public comment <laughs> are standing at right there to me. I thought that said it all. We came, we felt so passionately about this, we wanted to be heard, we wanted them to feel the disease because truth be told, that is the missing link. There's no humanity in that report. There is no taking it to the next step. What would that be like to have so much blood pouring into your lungs you think you're drowning? And yet it just felt like it, this is just the thing they had to do. They had to listen to the public comment so that it was checked off on the list that they welcomed public comment. That sounds pretty intimidating. Do you think your testimony made a difference in ICER's analysis? I wish I could say that it did. What I did think was that the vote would be more dispersed. So there would be some who say, oh, gosh, now that I've heard this, I get it. This, this is the only thing these people have. It isn't like they are choosing between this and another drug. There is no other drug. So I thought at least there would be, uh, uh, the votes would be dispersed among the, the group. No, it was essentially a unanimous vote that it's despite all those benefits, it really is not worth the price. They may claim that they are doing this as this way to um, raise awareness of drug pricing, etc. But that was, was not the case. That is not the case. The decision was foregone. And in the end, our fear as an organization and my fear as a mother of someone with CF is that this is really just being used uh, as a way for payers to deny access to this therapy. Have we seen this happen in states yet? Other states have already uh, used this. Uh, Oregon certainly uh, talk, thought about it. That one, that turned out okay. New York is the mo one that most people are paying attention to because, of course, New York is a, a large state and many people follow what New York is doing as they're making their own decisions. And that was very disturbing because they are revamping their healthcare system and one of the issues are these medications. And by having this report, if other state governments start using this as a basis to say, we don't think that we should be paying for it, it's really not been shown to be effective enough, effective enough for that cost, we have no other options, and people will suffer, and people will die. Okay, Siri, that was a heavy podcast. So let's finish up with something fun, a lightning round of questions to wrap us up. One <laughs> sentence only for each. Okay. Best piece of advice to a CF patient advocate? Educate yourself and never hold back. Express your opinion and just be your own best advocate. Number two, one thing you'd like to change about health coverage policies? Access, access, access. Oh, wait, price, price, price. Are you an Apple or Android person? Apple all the way. So, Sarah, you're from California. Is it really going to break off into the ocean one day? <laughs> Well, I, I did live through the 89 quake. Uh, I don't think we're going to break off, though sometimes I wonder if that wouldn't be a bad thing. Unfortunately, right now, uh, it's not about the earthquakes. It's all about the fires. So 
uh, I think we're, we're here. We're just on fire. Siri, thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been great. Thank you, Ryan.